0: Good morning everybody, my name is Ntuleng Pasele and I am one of the credit research analysts in the markets research team and I'll be your facilitator this, after, uh, this morning. Oh, I'm already excited um, about the rest of the day, um, yeah, so um, allow me to welcome you all to NetBank CIB's 2021 post budget speech analysis webinar where Roswana Sumad, one of our macro research analysts, will be giving us a review of the budget, as well as the impact of the budget on interest rates, the RAND, and economic growth. Um, so, before we start, it's um, 8 o'clock in the morning, I hope everyone has grabbed their coffee, they're ready, and if you have not grabbed your coffee, please stay put, do not go and grab your coffee, ask whoever's around you to fix you a cup of um, coffee, and yeah, just just enjoy the webinar just a couple of housekeeping stuff before we start please do note that um, our analysts, they are independent analysts so that what what that means is that whatever views that they provide during the webinar um, those are not the um, actual final net bank group um, views, if you're looking for the official net bank views please go on to uh, the research portal and just have a look at what NetBank group has out as the official NetBank um, view. And then lastly please do make sure that you use make use of the chat box that we've made available there on the webinar where during the webinar just post any question that you might have for Arizona, as well as any comments that you might have or any thought that you might have had when you sat down yourself and reviewed the budget poster speech by the minister of finance so we yeah, are without um, you know wasting any further time let's get the show on the road please do join me as i welcome onto your virtual screens um one of the most diligent research analysts that i know razwana sumat
1: <laughs> thanks so much uh, for that um, uh, very very upbeat uh, introduction this very early morning um, and, uh, you know, thank you for facilitating this, this virtual meeting. Um, as, uh, as everybody um uh, you know have been so used to our our post budget breakfast and sharing a very nice meal um around the table this year because of covid we had to do it uh, very very differently but nonetheless i hope that the conversation and the insights is is engaging and and, and stimulates a lot of questions and um and, and you know conversation around around the topic um so i have had a look at the budget i have have Drafted some uh, presentation, uh, very colorful charts as well um, and uh, and you know they, they, because of the volume of stuff in, in the budget, um, I mean uh, it, the, the the nice thing about the budget is every time I look at it or I will look at it over the next six months or so, I will discover something new because of the amount of volume of detail there. So I'd like to share some of my key observations uh, from being in the embargo yesterday. Um, and from what we've been working on um, over the last uh, few years, um, while I sat at the embargo at National Treasury yesterday, um, I was pleasantly uh, surprised at some of the uh, some of the developments um, in the 2021 uh, budget. Um, some of the key highlights being tax relief passed not just for middle and low income uh, individuals, but uh, economy wide tax relief measures, and and and. Over and above that, uh, they've provided uh, better, uh, more informed spending decisions uh, with regards to where to actually spend to generate maximum growth or maximum alpha in the economy. Um, and hence, uh, you see my title there uh, uh, being very clear as to what I think uh, were some of the key upsides uh, in uh, in the 2021 uh, budget speech. Uh, I show this, uh, the next slide, I show this uh, quote from George Soros um, every year. And unfortunately, every year the situation becomes uh, worse. Last year, when I presented the post-budget speech analysis Um, we had expected some upside over the medium term. However, we had the COVID pandemic uh, start and we've had revenues being revised much lower. Expenditure pressures uh, emanating from both pandemic uh, stimulus as well as SOEs. And it seems as though instead of the situation becoming better or there being more upside, uh, the 2020 and 2021 estimates were revised sharply lower. However, um, the 2021 budget, I think, uh, provides us some upside um, in that uh, they, uh, the, it seems as though National Treasury uh, is making uh, better revenue decisions in that it is pro- providing tax relief for corpus as well, but also basing a lot of their spending decisions on the literature, on the research, and on what analysts have been saying Four years, um, and so I think it does inspire confidence in me. However, there is some issues with regards to the implementation or execution risk inherent um, in the budget, um, especially since uh, the forecast horizon is um, is over the very long run, so a three to five year forecast horizon. Um, If you take a look at the next slide, we're just um, um, looking at some of the key subcomponents uh, within the budget uh, and breaking it down as to the most pertinent bullet points, in my view, um, in these categories. Um, So first and foremost, if you look at expenditures, uh, the elephant in the room uh, or the elephant in the budget uh, over the last few years have been the wage bill. Now the wage bill consumes a a, a bulk of the, of the budget, uh, a bulk of revenues, um, and uh, in the last few uh, years or essentially since 2007, 2008, uh, wage bill growth has uh, well surpassed inflation in the economy um however in the last 2 to 3 years we've had national treasury come out uh, really scrutinizing uh, the wage bill and uh, uh, and and trying to figure out how to reduce the wage bill they've implemented the wage bill freeze uh, last year um, and uh, they will enter into a new round of, uh, of, um, of salary discussions or, or increases um, in uh, the new fiscal year, in the 2021-2022 20, fiscal year. So during the course of this calendar year, we're likely to see uh, talk uh, resume. However, in the budget, the, uh, the wage bill is forecast to be reduced by about $143 billion, um, over the next uh, three years, and this is over and above a uh, $160 billion rand reduction uh, that was um, that was uh, implemented in the 2020 uh, budget. Um, in terms of uh, a reduction in spending in unnecessary or some unnecessary programs, uh, they've reduced baseline spending by about 163 uh, billion rands over the next uh, three years. Um, and then, in terms of the overall or total uh, expenditure in the economy over the next three years, um, it is. Um, um, it's uh, it's uh, slightly lower at uh, 34 billion rands lower over the next three, uh, in, uh, over the next uh, three years. In terms of revenue and growth, uh, now everybody was sort of concerned as to whether tax revenues are going to increase in you know, order to pay for these large and rising spending pressures in the economy. And that has not been the case. Uh, While gross tax revenues are around 300 billion rands lower over the forecast period, um, uh, rather higher over the forecast period, uh, it is much lower than the 2020 uh, budget. So what we present here is uh, the the changes in tax revenue since the 2020 MTBPS, which has been revised higher. And I'll take you through or I'll talk to some of the reasons why revenue growth has surprised to the upside. Uh, no new tax hikes. And in in, in, in fact, we've got uh, tax relief for individuals, as well as the potential reduction to corporate income tax um, rates uh, um, in uh, 2023. Um, in terms of debt, however, uh, debt uh, re- has been revised lower uh, given the substantial increase in in tax revenue relative to the 2020 MTBPS. However, it doesn't stabilize over the medium-term expenditure framework. So I will show you graphically, debt to GDP ratios continue to rise over the next three years, and National Treasury only forecasts a primary budget surplus by 2024, 2025, and then they project debt to GDP ratios to decline from 2025 onwards. So that's a very, very uh, long-term view, and a lot of uh, aspects of projections and macroeconomic fundamentals can change between now and then. And hence, I say, the execution risk in this budget does remain uh, quite elevated. In terms of the markets, so we've seen markets rally, uh, the RAND strengthened after the budget yesterday, and and overall this budget uh, will be supportive of uh, local financial markets in the very near term, um, in terms of uh, the very weak growth outlook still in the economy, um, we do uh, believe that uh, uh, the Reserve Bank will hold off uh, from uh, from hiking interest rates this year. Uh, and I'll talk to our monetary policy view at the end as well. Uh, in terms of the rand, we have a neutral view of between 15 and 16 uh, against uh, the dollar for for the current uh, for the current year. Uh, Just take a look at some of the charts I've put together, and and these are some of the uh, data that we show uh, every year. year. If you look at the the real GDP growth uh, forecast or chart uh, on the top left, uh, we've seen slight upward revisions to National Treasury's uh, growth forecast for 2020 um, and for the medium-term framework as well. In terms of uh, the 2021 budget, um, you can see that forecast in the black line there, uh, whereby a real GDP um, is expected to contract by about 8.3% in the current fiscal year, and that has been revised lower, uh, or higher rather, from the 9% contraction in the 2020 MTBPS. Um, over the next uh, three to five years, however, growth is expected to average around 2%, um, which is arguably, uh, you know, well below some of our emerging market uh, peer countries um, and, uh, you know, well below um, levels that South Africa needs uh, in order to inspire uh, or, or generate more tax uh, revenue growth. Nonetheless, the emergence from the pandemic is um, uh, sort of a uh, good news. It does differ materially from uh, where we believe uh, growth will settle at over the medium term. So we don't see this rapid recovery in 2021 or 2022 uh, purely because we uh, uh, we, we anticipate uh, consumption spending and investment spending uh, to disappoint slightly um, over the medium term. In terms of uh, National Treasury's forecast for this post-pandemic recovery, um, in line with what we've, saw, we've seen the IMF uh, presenting uh, last month, National Treasury and we also believe that emerging markets like South Africa, small open emerging market economies, will only likely emerge from this pandemic by early 2024. Uh, and here you can see clearly in terms of this um, the the bar chart on on this uh, slide being a GDP in Rands, um, whereby the bars only emerge or, or to 2019 levels by by 20 by the end of 2023 or early 2024. And the main reasons for this sort of slow recovery um, is uh, because of uh, of the unavailability or or, uh, emerging market economies like South Africa being unable to to drive this rapid vaccination uh, program in the economy um, uh, like uh, many advanced economies uh, are currently doing uh, to, to, to revert to normal activity levels in an economy. Um, and uh, combined with our expectation for consumer spending and investment growth to remain very low uh, for longer, uh, this suggests that this uh, recovery post the pandemic uh, will be very slow um, uh, over the next uh, few years. In terms of the next slide, we, we, we want to uh, take a sort of a uh, look at South Africa's peers, how we stack up in terms of fiscal metrics, um, and unsurprisingly, uh, we perform very poorly with, uh, when compared to some of our peer uh, group uh, countries. If you look at the bar chart on the on the top uh, left, uh, South Africa's debt service cost as a percentage of revenue is expected to average around 20% or just above 20% over the next three years and we remain at the sort of bottom of the pack when uh, compared to uh, essentially our affordability. Can we afford such high uh, debt uh, levels and debt ratios? Um, if you look at uh, some of our peers being Egypt, uh, Sri Lanka, uh, Pakistan, uh, those are rated at uh, much lower levels compared to South Africa, uh, if you look at the the, the the dot plot on the right-hand side, uh, it's the same data from S P but we just plot the ratings and where South Africa stacks up relative to other emerging market economies versus where our uh, debt service costs as a percentage of revenue stack up in terms of s uh, forecast. So if you look at South Africa we, we 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 passed the midpoint in the in this chart in terms of the dot plot chart and we are sort of edging towards sort of high risk uh, economies and that tells you that we need to create more growth in the economy so to attract more or generate more revenue in the economy so that um so that this ratio uh, declines uh, on a sustainable uh, basis so it does remain elevated um, even over the medium term framework in terms of our average deficit budget deficit over the next uh, three years and that's the chart on the bottom left so africa again uh, stacks up close to sri lanka turkey and india uh china as well uh, so we have some of the most elevated uh, deficit as a percentage of gdp in the world if not uh, across uh, uh, in terms of our emerging market uh, peer group um, and that has been mainly as a result of the deterioration in the fiscus over the years prior to the covid pandemic uh, but obviously the covid pandemic and the 14% the deficit as a percentage of gdp uh, have uh, pushed us up in terms of the rank, in terms of how we rank um, against uh, some of our emerging market peers and then lastly, with an economy with high debt service costs and a struggling or poor affordability for these debt service or debt levels, and an economy with high levels of budget deficit or deficit levels, how do we stack up in terms of what we pay to government employees? And here again, I say the big elephant in the budget or the big elephant in the room is government compensation of employees. If you look at the chart on the bottom right, this is basically a comparison across EM, OECD, and advanced economies uh, in terms of our um, uh, employee compensation as a percentage of GDP. So South Africa stacks up really high, rivaling uh, the likes of Denmark and Norway, you know, advanced um, economies uh, and uh, with high uh, quality of life metrics and a uh, very, uh, um, uh, 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 very high uh, public service delivery relative to the likes of South Africa, where we pay almost 15% away uh, of our GDP away to, to, to employee compensation, whereas service delivery does not rival some of the advanced economies that we stack up um, against. So, I mean, taking a look at the next slide, just sort of summarizing some of the tax relief measures – if you look at tax relief, the personal income tax brackets re- receive a 5% uh, adjustment. Uh, this is uh, above 4.5%, which is the inflation target, and above around 4% uh, inflation rate that is projected to be achieved in the economy this year. Uh, it does provide about 2.2 billion rands worth of relief, mainly to middle income and lower uh, income uh, cons- uh, consumers or taxpayers, uh, but the benefit will uh, be felt across the board in terms of the personal income uh, tax uh, register. If you look at the the tax free threshold, that continues to be revised higher uh, over the years in the budget, and that's not much of a surprise. Um, And uh, the big surprise in this budget was uh, the announcement that the corporate income tax rate will be lowered to about 27% um, from uh, from 2022 onwards. It's currently 28%, and here again amongst the highest in the world. Um, in terms of what government is trying to do, is they're trying to uh, broaden the corporate income, uh, or, or rather the corporate tax base, uh, pull more um, uh, companies, uh, uh, tax companies into uh, the tax register and essentially obtain uh, more uh, tax over the long-term time horizon. They seem to be listening to research and empirical evidence that have showed that uh, constant increases in the tax rate, be it personal income tax or corporate income tax, in a very weak growth environment is counterintuitive. And if you would have seen some of our research uh, and charts in the past few years, We believe South Africa is uh, well past the optimal level in the Laffer curve. Uh, We've passed the optimal level of the effective tax rate, essentially the peak tax rate that um, an economy like South Africa needs to have in order to ensure maximum tax revenue growth. So, So for the first time ever, I would think, um, National Treasury is uh, sort of heeding to all of the research that, uh, that's uh, been done, not just in, in the South African context, but globally as well, whereby uh, tax relief measures in a very weak economy are likely to not just boost con- growth and consumption spending over the long run, uh, but also boost, um, boost tax revenues uh, and, and revenue collection and broaden the tax, tax base over the long run so those are uh, some of the positives in terms of tax relief measures in terms of uh, uh, tax um, uh, increase measures and and here not much of a surprise as well. Syntaxes taxes go up, or excise duties on 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 alcohol and tobacco go up by about eight percent. Um, the road accident fund uh, and general fuel levy increases by cumulative twenty six cents per liter from April. Um, there's been a slight adjustment to so the carbon tax uh, tax rate. They're considering taxing uh, of, uh, E-cigarettes in 2021 They're still doing public com- uh, Consultations on this um, And then the plastic bag levy increases um, uh, As well uh, As of bio-based plastic bags But these are some of the smaller uh, Tax categories um, And uh, and I think uh, the, 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 the best News out of the budget is that The largest tax categories pro- uh, uh, Are given tax Relief measures in a very weak economy, whereby some of the uh, luxury items like, um, you know, sin taxes, alcohol, tobacco um, uh, are being taxed at uh, above inflation uh, rates uh, for, uh, for this year. Uh, so those are some of the developments that we've seen with regards to, to, to tax measures. And why, why I continue to stress that this is very positive is because uh, South Africa's tax base um, is overburdened. We have uh, one of the highest uh, tax uh, revenue as a proportion of GDP rates in the world. So if that's the last or the third bar chart um, on on this uh, on this slide here, um, here again we rival with Denmark. And in fact, if you if you if you add on other aspects that South Africans pay for that uh, should actually be coming out of service delivery, like medical aid cost, healthcare costs, private security costs, um, ed- private education uh, costs in the economy, which all of uh, them arguably should be uh, provided by the state given high levels of, of, of taxation in the economy. If we add all of that, South Africa has the highest tax burden in the world, higher than what Denmark has as well. I think we currently sit at about 34-35% of GDP. Now, why um, this tax relief will be will be, a, you know, a welcome relief to our tax base is because our tax base has been shrinking over the years, and a smaller number of taxpayers are shouldering a, a higher uh, tax burden over the years. Uh, that's what the, the 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 bar charts here show in terms of uh, the shrinking number of taxpayers assessed individuals. And if you look at the average tax uh, paid per person, has grown up considerably since uh, around 2013. Um, the table below that just uh, off, sort of sort um, of uh, highlights some of the key numbers from the from SARS uh, in terms of the latest ta- release of the tax statistics. Whereby around uh, you know one percent or less than one percent of companies pay eighty uh, percent of corporate income taxes, um, and if you look at individuals, about twenty-five percent of individuals, tax-paying individuals, uh, pay about seventy-three percent of all personal income taxes. In fact, if you look at if you narrow it to some of the highest-paying individuals in the economy, uh, the concentration is even uh, is even uh, worse. It talks to the significant inequality in the economy, but it also tells you that our tax register is dangerously concentrated, whereby a few large companies incurring a loss in any particular year will shift and will result um, in lower corporate income taxes. Uh, Hence, uh, the reason why National Treasury has decided that they would undertake tax relief and tax cut measures to try and broaden the tax uh, base over the long run. Uh, the last chart on this slide being the dot plot here just takes a look at South Africa's uh, how we stack up in terms of personal income tax as a percentage of GDP, but also uh, plotting the the, the highest uh, personal income tax rate on the y-axis. Um, and from the colors here, it just tells you that while South Africa is an upper middle income um, economy, our individuals in the economy is being taxed at high income um, uh, um, uh, uh, ec- uh, economy rates. Uh, so we stack up uh, with the likes of Germany, Norway, uh, France, uh, but we actually uh, upper middle or middle income economy. And if you look at where our middle in- income economy peers uh, stack up, and that, those are the red dots there, firmly uh, you know, below uh, where uh, t- uh, South Africa's tax in terms of the amount of personal income tax collected by the state as a percentage of GDP. So South Africa is uh, you know, very highly taxed, um, and the relief measures that have been announced, not just in this budget, but the process started in 2020, uh, will be very positive over the long run if, uh, uh, if, able, if they're able to implement it uh, uh, successfully. Um, uh, you know, lastly, uh, we're heading into expenditures, um, and I think there is the bigger conversation uh, to have, uh, but just taking a look at maybe one or two charts on, on this slide on page eight. The, the the chart on the top right just takes a look at growth forecasts, national treasury growth um, estimates, and they provide a, a two scenarios. So basically an upside scenario and a downside scenario to growth. Uh, This remains a sort of a key risk over the long run in that they have upwardly revised their growth estimates over the medium term. However, if South Africa's growth, uh, real GDP growth were to disappoint, uh, if consumer spending disappoints, if investment spending in the economy disappoints, then we are likely to see a substantial reduction in terms of the uh, growth trajectory over the medium term. Um, So if you look at the red dotted line on on this slide, um, whereas we've got a base, baseline growth forecast, so National Treasury has a baseline growth forecast of 3.1% for 2021. Um, If uh, we have uh, two more COVID waves, we have a delay in in implementing the vaccine drive in the economy. We have further lockdown restrictions. Uh, That growth will likely fall to about 1.7%. Uh, On the upside, if we do have, you know, more fiscal reforms, if we have economic reforms, if we have a more stable electricity supply um, and we have business and consumer confidence being boosted as a result of that, uh, upside for growth for this year is about to about 3.6 percent. So clearly from this chart, you do see the disproportionate impact in terms of uh, downside risk to growth as opposed to upside risk over the medium-term framework, and that tells you that um, it will. they will, uh, if we do have small disappointments in the economy, it will have a disproportionately larger impact on both growth and the fiscus over the medium term. And what has been happening in the past is that we have a very positive budget being presented, but come MTBPS, we see significant slippage in terms of tax revenues uh, collected. Or growth actually achieved in the economy being revised lower by the MTBPS. Uh, so, so as I said when I started on the first slide, implementation risk or execution risk remain, remains um, quite high. I think uh, just the bottom charts uh, talking about uh, spending and spending growth in the economy. Um, if you look at uh, the chart on the bottom left expenditure this is just year on year growth the, the red line but i want to compare it to the sort of the uh, bright green uh, uh, line being nominal gdp so spending growth is projected to to decline uh, below nominal gdp which is very positive uh, but if you look at the chart on the on the right hand side comparing uh, for example compensation of employees the dark green line relative to sa inflation Compensation of employees, or rather the wage bill, is expected to grow by less than inflation, essentially declining in real terms over the medium term framework. And that is very positive uh, compared to if you look at um, uh, levels in 2007, 2008, 2009, whereby the wage bill has been growing um, in excess, um, you know, of 12% uh, percent uh, rather 20%, uh, peaking at 24% in 2008-2009, uh, whereby inflation was well below that. So uh, uh, above inflation increases, uh, but that not really translating into substantial nominal or real GDP growth in the economy over the subsequent years. Uh, so the fact that the wage bill will be reduced And the fact that overall expenditure growth seems to be below inflation over the next few years uh, talks to sort of more prudent spending decisions being made in the economy. And then moving on to the next slide where we chat about some of the main spending uh, uh, bullets or or spending uh, areas in in the budget, the wage bill is forecast to decline uh, in excess of $300 uh, over the medium-term framework if you include the, the projections that were, was, or the reductions that was announced in the 2020 budget as well. It is highly ambitious. It will be taken up uh, legally by trade unions, and uh, there is still downside risk to the wage uh, bill. Uh, we see National Treasury highlight that um, it, it, this year they will start new negotiations over the next three years in terms of what it provides um, uh, public servants with in terms of increases. And anything close to inflation-related increases will push up um, the wage bill by uh, around 100 billion. Uh, so, if you talk about a, a inflation plus 1%, it pushes up uh, the wage bill by 133 billion rands over the next three years. If you have an inflation-linked increase uh, being uh, being uh, announced, that will push up a wage bill costs by about 113 billion rands over the next three years. So, so there is sort of downside risk to this if unions get their way of anywhere near inflation adjust, related adjustments to the wage bill. We do know that National Treasury is adamant that they would want to provide uh, sub one percent inflation uh, uh, rather sub one percent increases in the wage bill over the next uh, three years but this is obviously up for for contestation uh what i think was uh, was more positive was the baseline spending reductions Now, what they're doing is, like they've done last year and and the year before, they are are scrutinizing uh, programs that the government is funding. Uh, These programs are are, are, um, uh, um, NGO-related, sit uh, within bay. Departments. Um, it's, uh, it is maintenance programs and municipal grants that are typically not spend, spent in any particular year. So municipalities underspend on these grants and infrastructure grants as well. Um, we also have various uh, social programs that the government run that are duplicate programs or are dormant programs. Um, and for this year, they've identified 30 programs that they've re- that they've cut uh, baseline spending to. In a lot of these programs, uh, are wasteful or does not achieve the desired outcomes from a from a, from a social perspective. And so, as a result of that, that amounted to about 100, 163 billion rands worth of uh, expenditure reductions over the next three years. Um, Debt service cost does remain a key bugbear for the fiscus. Um, Almost 20% of all revenues generated go towards just paying interest on on a ballooning uh, debt load, Um, and it continues to remain the fastest uh, growing uh, line item in the budget. It's growing by 13.3% per annum over the next three years. And that talks to uh, the elevated risk of of, of, of a country like South Africa and the high interest costs uh, associated with the high levels of of debt uh, relative to, uh, for example, an advanced economy or relative to some of our emerging market peers that we've seen over the years. In terms of the positives, uh, more positives rather from, from a spending perspective, we have about 19 billion rand being allocated uh, for va- a, vac- a vaccine uh, rollout, uh, and, uh, and and it's uh, sort of uh, positive to note that they did not require tax increases uh, to fund a vaccine drive. Um, and uh, however, if you look at SOEs, they remain a source site with regards to the budget. An additional 11 billion RAN has been provided to SOEs over the next three years, and a bulk of that goes to to, SO, um, to SAA. And over the next uh, three to four years, uh, this, the the budget, uh, uh, um, rather the budget uh, 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 forecast uh, providing SOEs are around 165 billion billion rands. Um, so so those are some of the uh, positives and the negatives that have come out from expanding. However, the bottom line is that they're starting to make more clever decisions as to where they spend and where they cut spending, uh, which, if maintained over the next three years, will, uh, you know, boost alpha in the economy, will boost uh, uh, capital spending in the economy, and eventually will boost confidence in the economy. Like I said again, and that um whether they manage to achieve these reductions especially when we speak about um a wage bill and a public service that is highly unionized um is 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 quite debatable and then coming uh, wrapping up and just taking a look at the bottom lines and and the charts um uh, that show Uh, the budget deficit as well as debt to GDP uh, ratios over the medium term. And as you can see on the line charts at the top, um, both the deficit as well as the debt to GDP projection has been lowered over the next three years in the 2021 budget. Uh, While we remain very close to the the, the budget forecast in terms of the deficit, we do believe that the debt to GDP profile will remain elevated for quite some time unless uh, we see see uh, a primary budget surplus uh, being achieved uh, faster than what is projected in uh, in uh, the budget. So as I said, uh, the, a primary budget surplus is being forecast for 2024, 2025, which is out of the medium-term expenditure framework, and then only by 2025, National Treasury expects to see the debt-to-GDP ratio uh, begin to decline. Um, however, if we see more SOE bailout pressures or any sort of disappointment to 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 revenue collection over the next um, uh, uh, few months and years, that will place a bit of a dampener in terms of uh, our, our debt uh, trajectory. In terms of its implications for for markets and, and monetary policy, the RAND, and how we look at growth um, and inflation, that's what we have on, on page 11. Um, what we, we sort of compare the repo rate uh, during past uh, crises, and what we noticed uh, is that uh, typically an economy like South Africa and other emerging market and advanced economies end the crisis or emerge from the crisis with a repo rate or interest rates that is much lower than what we started off or with uh, before the crisis. In fact, if you look at the most recent crisis being the 2008 financial crisis, uh, The SAAB started cutting interest rates when inflation was at 12.4%, more than double what their max uh, inflation target was at the time. Currently, we have an inflation target of 4.5%, and we're forecasting inflation to remain very close to that 4.5% level over the medium term. Um, And what this means is that the SAAB does have scope to keep interest rates flatter for longer. We do remain below consensus on growth, And we're expecting a a 2.5% growth uh, rate, real GDP growth. Uh, rate for 2021, Um, and because of a still weak economy and and this extended um, emergence from this COVID-induced slump in terms of GDP, those are reasons why we think the Saab will not um, uh, 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 want to hike aggressively or prematurely and undo a lot of the relief measures provided to the economy in 2020. Uh, The fact that the the budget was focused on expenditure reductions as opposed to raising taxes does leave uh, more room for the sub to be uh, less hawkish or more dovish uh, 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 rather than in the past or uh, than what they communicated in the in the january um, mpc so we do think uh, that from a repo rate perspective that there will be a shallow hiking cycle being implemented from 2022 onwards uh, with flat repo rate in 2021. Um, inflation risks uh, are, are, are balanced in our view. There are some downside risks purely being uh, emanating from discretionary sub-components in the inflation in the inflation basket. This is mainly demand-driven, and where we see demand in the economy remain uh, fairly weak in 2021 and only start to recover in 2022. This talks to some of the more material downside risks uh, to demand pull inflation in the economy uh, for for this year upside risk to inflation emanate from the, the higher oil price that we have been seeing out of cycle increases in electricity tariffs uh, the recent announcement does push up our inflation forecast for 2022 by 10 basis points so before the Nsa announcement we had a four point four percent inflation forecast for twenty twenty two and that is raised to four and a half percent uh now if we assume that the sixteen percent tariff does go ahead in April uh, this year and then lastly, in terms of the rand and then we'll take a, a you know a couple of questions afterwards. Um, we have a fair value uh, for the Rand of between 15 and 16 Rand uh, against the dollar. Now, if you look at our extreme peaks model, uh, or Walter's extreme peaks, peaks model, uh, expecting the Rand to revert back to sort of that fair value trend um, in terms of the chart on the right. Uh, but if you look at uh, history and what history would suggest, Uh, The the extreme peaks model and deviations that you see on the left-hand side tells you there's probably some further uh, near-term strengthening risk uh, for the RAND, rather a near-term bullish bias for the RAND, uh, given that in in the past we've seen uh, the USDs uh, uh, deviate to around 1.5 standard deviations below where the fair value had been. Uh, So so peaks to the upside uh, being complemented by peaks to the downside, um, if you think of uh, the uh, the USD's exchange rate. And so for now, it does seem as though in the near term, there is a sort of a bullish bias for the RAND. Um, But over the next 12 to 18 months, we do have a a, a gradually weaker RAND forecast in our macro model, as well as feeding into our inflation uh, model as well. Um, and these sort of risks uh dovetail with what we see in um, financial markets. The rand and bond markets have been supported in the last two months because of uh, you know QE coming through from the u s from the ECB as well um, and uh, this uh, has fueled volatility in these markets. Expectations for a better budget that seems to have materialized also fueled a lot of that offshore flows uh, coming through into our, our RAND and, 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 and RAND-denominated bonds. Um, however, over the medium term, uh, we just need to wait and see as to whether a lot of these, the positives that has been announced in the budget, will be um, implemented. Um, I'll stop there. Maybe you've got you know, some questions for me um, from from some of the clients. Um
0: thank you so much, Reese, for that um presentation. I think i'm really glad to hear that i glad hear to i'm glad to hear and see that um on average uh you your analysis of the budget is that it was a positive one um just from my side when I sit down and reflect on you know some of the insights that you have shared there were two main things. Where when I think um, of the budget being fiscal policy and then we have monetary policy as well, those are two tools that are used to try to help stimulate the economy. And we know that um, the South African economy is mostly driven by consumer spending. And when I go on the fiscal policy side, we have seen those actions by the Reserve Bank that have, uh, when I personally reflected on myself, where, you know, I've got more money to spend as a consumer, where, for example, I'm paying far more or less um for my bond now than I did a couple of years ago, uh, not a couple of years, a month ago. So I've got more money in my pocket there. And we have seen um the Reserve Bank coming out and saying that fiscal policy as well, they need to come to the party. And based on your insights, I do think that it seems as though fiscal policy, it did try um, coming to the party when I look at uh, the tax relief measures that they have uh put into place and then secondly as well on the wage bill where I think it's a very contentious topic um, everyone has something to say about it but from my side something that was very insightful that I got from your presentation was the fact that um, it's it's the wage bill it being high in and in itself is not necessarily the main problem but the main problem for or rather another main problem for South Africa is the fact that we have a high wage bill but, um, public, um, government, um, pub, uh, service delivery rather. Yeah. So our service delivery is not efficient. So if we were a country where the wage bill was high and, um, service delivery was also efficient, then a high wage bill in itself it would have been a problem. So I think that's also something that the government can probably look in, into as well over and above trying to reduce the wage bill, maybe perhaps also looking or i'm sure they are looking into it but like stress further that okay we need to be more efficient in our service delivery so that the two kind can kind of come together and merge um so yeah moving over to Q q a reese um you did mention that it was a positive budget but when you look at the budget overall was there anything that you found that was missing that you were expecting and looking for
1: yes so i think that uh the The key upside for us or the potential upside for us as an economy is the focus on infrastructure and uh, One thing that I was disappointed with um, in the budget is the uh, sort of the not much mention about the infrastructure fund uh, uh, apart from the three programs that are still uh, ongoing um, in the the fund, or rather what the infrastructure fund has been spending on um, in the last uh, few uh, months. So I think the slow progress with regards to rolling out the infrastructure fund and the pipeline of projects is something that did uh, disappoint me. In the past, or rather between 2015 and 2019, we had a list of about 18 strategic infrastructure projects that was funded directly from the fiscus, um, and so uh, over the years, or so since the infrastructure fund was announced in 2018, we see smaller and smaller uh, amount of money being uh, uh, being allocated to the infrastructure fund directly from the fiscus, um, and so this was uh, something that did disappoint me, even though the budget did announce that they seek to. Foster more public-private partnership in order to roll out large infrastructure programs. So I think that um, while uh, the budget sort of sought to cut wasteful spending in other areas, and they sought to uh, uh, to prevent uh, any uh, spending cuts on infrastructure-related programs, uh, they, it should have focused more on, on on sort of the infrastructure drive, pledged more. Money for an infrastructure rollout, uh, uh, apart from the 100 billion rand that it has provided to the infrastructure fund, broken up over a 10-year period. And to put this into perspective, when when the president announced the infrastructure fund back in 2018, he had pledged that the fund will be capitalised by about 400 billion rands. Um, And then uh, thereafter, that amount fell to 200 billion. And then after that, um, in last year, we see that the infrastructure fund is only getting 10 bill, uh, rather 10 billion per annum over uh, a 10-year period. So that was something that did disappoint me, given that that is a- exactly what we need. being a, a large infrastructure rollout uh, is what we need to boost uh, essentially South Africa's balance sheet as a, as a country. Um, uh, so-, so that did uh, disappoint me.
0: Oh, and then, um, secondly, is where I think um, for a lot of people, when we look at the debt to GDP um, number, where you know, in the latter part of the years, we can see ourselves breaking above that uh, 100% mark. Where I think it's one of those things again, where you can't just look at the number and itself say that we are above 100%. It's doom and gloom. So, from a South African perspective. How should we be looking at that number? Is it should I be worried and be frantic when um, that number hits goes above 100% for South Africa specifically, as well as in theory?
1: Okay, yeah. So that's a that's a very good question. And 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 when I spoke about the infrastructure fund or an infrastructure rollout, it obviously needs more money. One would assume that you'd have to issue more debt. To 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 fund an infrastructure fund or to provide more money into an infrastructure fund or an infrastructure drive, um, if that does happen, debt to GDP ratios will increase and probably over 100% of GDP over the long run. However, what we need to think about in terms of the debt level is how can South Africa afford uh, this high levels of debt. If we're issuing more debt and taking, uh, we take our debt to GDP ratio is rising, but over say a ten year period period we're generating much more tax revenues or tax revenue growth uh, rather than say ten years ago or in the uh, on average in the last ten years, then that will be positive so essentially thinking about as an economy, can we afford higher Uh, debt uh, levels in the near to medium term. Um, Now, why uh, we are concerned from a debt to GDP perspective is because we haven't seen uh, that substantial increase um, in tax revenue growth um, over the last uh, few years, uh, even though uh, debt has been uh, rising. And debt has been rising purely to pay for uh, items like debt service costs, so interest on debt, uh, social grants and social development and the wage bill, um, and uh, uh, rather than uh, paying for a massive infrastructure drive that would add to potential growth and broaden the, the tax base. So I think that's what we need to sort of look at for developments over the next uh, few months or years as to whether our debt is rising, but whether it's rising for the right reasons or whether that increase in debt is being put uh, to, good, to good use by funding infrastructure and service delivery in, in an economy uh, rather than funding uh, the wage bill, funding you know, social grants and spending in the economy that historically has not been growth uh, positive on a sustainable basis. Um, that, that's how I look at it. There's a lot of detail and a lot of charts. Uh, we'll, we'll send the presentation along with the reports uh, to to the to the clients. But, I mean, we can go on for hours discussing uh, Cypher's debt load and affordability and how we compare to EMs.
0: Uh, we have almost come to the end of uh, the webinar um, this morning and uh, yeah, I don't know if, Reese you have any specific closing remarks that you'd like to share with the audience. And if you don't have anything in particular, can you just Kind of close off by uh, we started off by saying that you know we're going to discuss the impact that the budget has on interest rates growth, and the rand um can you give like one key point um, in, in in terms of the impact on each point um for the audience so on interest rates, one key point rand one key point economy growth, one key point that yeah, the audience can go home with as like a nugget,
1: sure so. I've been looking at the budget and the detail in the budget for, for several years now, and I think it's the first time that um, a budget has inspired uh, some confidence, and perhaps it's uh, because of the uh, the lows uh, emanating from the lows of the COVID pandemic in 2020, or perhaps it's because the The budget has been consistent in its messaging in 2020 and has built on some of the the promises in 2021. So we do see some sort of consistency between the 2020 budget and 2021 budget in that it has provided tax relief in both years and it's making better spending decisions and it's listening to the research and listening to what the analysts have been saying uh, over the years and putting uh, that into action in terms of, how it spends and where it cuts spending. So that's uh, that for me um, is positive that we actually, um, uh, you know, consistent and improving in terms of the budget methodology and the thinking behind the fiscus to achieve fiscal consolidation over the long run, uh, as opposed to, you know, going back and, and changing the, 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 uh, the way or the, the communication or the messaging in the budget. Um, in terms of the RAND, we have seen the RAND strengthen. We, uh, we spoke about our RAND forecast, our fair value ranging between 15 to 15, uh, 15 to 16 RAND against the dollar. But South Africa being a small, open, emerging market economy that is essentially a net importer, uh, based on our fundamental structure of the economy, we do expect the RAND to weaken gradually into year-end and into 2022 as well. Um, And so that adds to slightly inflationary pressure. Uh, We're seeing inflation rising from 3.9% this year to 4.5% next year. Despite a 4.5% inflation target and inflation rising to 4.5% in 2022, we think that the Reserve Bank will keep interest rates flat for much of this year and only begin a hiking cycle or mild hiking cycle in 2022 in order to provide the maximum benefit relief benefit to um, an economy that uh, has very low levels of of growth not just in the current pandemic uh, but when we emerge from the pandemic as well so Africa's uh, average annual growth rate is likely to remain uh, below two percent over the long run. Um, In terms of uh, uh, spending decisions or rather how the budget um, dovetails with growth is that in the last uh, several years or we'll call it 10 years for example, uh, real spending growth, real growth in expenditures has has been above 4% um, uh, over and above inflation. And if you look at real growth in the economy has just been sub one and a half percent, which tells you that uh, increased spending has not translated into better real uh, GDP growth. It seems as though the budget and national treasury has finally uh, accepted this and that's why they're making sweeping uh, changes in terms of what they spend on and what they cut spending on. And I think that it's going to take a a long-term view to, to actually see a lot of that benefit um, uh, in terms of the GDP um, and potential growth in in the economy going forward. So this budget does inspire confidence, but there is uh, a lot of implementation risk as to whether um, the government can actually achieve economic reform, uh, fiscal uh, reforms, and actually achieve the wageable reduction that they projected in the 2020 budget and in, have built on in the 2021 budget. Like I said, um, the key here is making better spending decisions over the medium term, which this uh, budget um, has tried to do. Um, the, the, the main sort of question mark is whether we'll actually eventually get there by for example 2025 seeing uh, a lower debt to gdp ratio or are we going to continue on this path of promising a lot of um, uh, positive developments with regards to spending decisions and tax relief measures but actually continuing the slippage because of, for example, political pressure or a disappointment in, in growth that impacts uh, revenue collection eventually. So, so I leave it at that, it, it was a positive budget building on a lot of the positives from 2020, but more needs to be done from an implementation perspective and implementing um, an infrastructure program in the economy over the next five to 10 years.
0: So if, if this was a physical meeting, I think this is a part where we'd be clapping. So let's just give Reese like a <laughs> round of applause. Um, thank you so much, Reese, for that presentation as well as um, the insights that you have pro- provided um, us with this morning. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And in closing, I'd like to leave you with these words. It's a, quote that's well-known that I've kind of, I think I just changed one word to, um, so that it's fit for purpose right now, where as you chew on the nuggets that Reece has um, shared, as well as other insights that you might have gotten throughout the presentation, just also think of um, these words where um, it goes a little something like this, where we have not inherited the economy from our forefathers but we have borrowed it from our children. So, yeah, um, keep safe, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Ntuleng.